Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Ariyemi Ariyosoye spent over 11 years learning about spirituality quantum physics, and energy. He studied mechanical engineering and has an extensive background in business development and sales. He's helped companies accelerate their growth and build successful teams. Throughout his life, he has always had an insatiable appetite to gain a deeper knowledge about spirituality and the evolution of the human spirit. He's read hundreds of books, attended numerous retreats, and invested thousands of dollars into personal development courses, all with the single intention of accelerating the development of his soul. Now, we don't talk about this much in leadership, but we should, and we're about to do just that. Ariyemi created the Soul School because after his personal journey, he realized that the path to spiritual activation is unnecessarily complex for most. It's filled with dense information and an endless amount of YouTube videos that repeat the same surface level stuff while wasting your time. To put it mildly, if you're someone who yearns to go deep, like Ariyemi and frankly myself, you're forced to spend hundreds of hours of your precious time and obscene amounts of money researching while constantly feeling like you're missing something. Worst of all, most of the concepts can't be applied to improve your physical, financial, and emotional well-being. The Soul School is a game changer where you'll learn deep and hidden spiritual concepts that are specifically designed to accelerate the evolution of your soul and as a result, supremely up-level your leadership. This is a space where you'll be able to advance your life financially, emotionally, and physically as you learn. So get excited because your true transformation starts right now. Let's flow. So welcome, Arayemi. How are you? Thank you for having me, Lily. Pretty beautiful today. I was just saying, I just flew in from Amsterdam. I don't know where your listeners are from, if they are very familiar with Europe, but I'm in the UK and just a short one hour flight away, spending time connecting with other individuals. It's been fun. I'm super excited to be here. Well, yeah. we're super excited to have you. And I, I do have to make a confession. Arayemi is what I've titled in my life my soul crush um <laughs> because i've learned so much from you in such a short period of time and i'm so excited to have you on our podcast are you ready mm. for into our listeners thank you thank you and uh i'm looking forward to seeing what comes through and speaking my truth and flowing that out to your listeners so right. good to be here all right so here we go so Ariemi, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now 
So I used to work in the corporate world, right? I worked for, did sales and partnerships and business development, go-to-market strategy, that kind of stuff for corporate companies, mainly in the scale-up phase. I did find that in my journey, I wasn't well-placed in the companies that I was at. And I was a little bit frustrated with some of the leaders that I interacted with. I've had great leaders and I've had not so great leaders, right? And we'll get into that as we go on. My path though came when I decided to really go in and do my own thing and create what I felt like was my soul's mission here on earth, which is to create a spiritual community and to coach individuals to higher levels of self-mastery and connection into their selves, their soul. And the path that we take to do that is through spirituality. That said, I've built my own business called The Soul School. It's a spiritual community, and we have over 50 people and currently imagine a team of five to six different individuals who I'm guiding through at the moment and uh, experiencing high growth. So my path really started from the corporate world, from working for people, from learning what was good leadership, what was bad leadership, internalizing that, and now going forth to build my business and bringing a lot of those lessons through to hopefully try to be the best leader that I can be. But like everybody, I also have my days of struggle, of course. And I love this because there's always a shift, right? So you were in the corporate world, but what shifted you to soul work? Because most leaders don't think of growing in their soul work, right? Yes. We think of cognitive development. We think of professional development. We think of career choices, but very rarely do we think of soul work. So what got you to that point and how should we be thinking? To be honest, it was me feeling very disconnected with the mission and the purpose of the companies I worked with and also the individuals in those companies. I think the way society has been created, the fundamental architecture of society right now, it's created to focus people's attention on the importance of logical processes, right? It's extremely cerebral. And the approach in business and in most things in the world is very cerebral. Mm -hmm. At these companies, as I worked there, I often found that, yes, I could contribute on a cerebral level and I fit in on a cerebral level, but I found myself not really having a place. And it's interesting because you see this with employee turnover all over the place, right? This has been a massive thing, even with COVID, quiet quitting and so many things where... A lot of people in these organizations, they fit cerebrally, but on a sole emotional level, they don't really get to bed into these organizations. And that's just a massive hole. It's just a massive grievance point for me, at least. And in these companies, I never really felt like I had that emotional home. And of course, they taught words like things like we're family, we're this, we're that. But I never really felt that deeper connection. And I think that's an opportunity for companies and leaders to help foster because that's a missing thing. I felt that and I never really felt like I fit in no matter how much I tried. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, emotional intelligence, emotional mm -hmm. quotient and social emotional work and development. But it gets down to the soul level. Um, you know, it's interesting. I talk a lot about love um, <laughs> in my trainings. And Absolutely. especially at the beginning, it lands kind of funny for people because they don't talk about that. But that's the most important work that we can do as leaders. So tapping into what you do also brings us to deeper work. So tell us about how we can connect with you and learn more about your programs. I would just actually get in on that point on love before we get into my programs, right? Look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs. An example would be Alibaba. He has this term he coined, which was love quotient, right? Which is at the start, you have IQ. 
And then the high level of intelligence is EQ, emotional intelligence. And it's also interesting because 95% of your experience are all body-based, right? So when you can really tap into your body, you really tap into your actual deeper intelligence, right? And this is where we start getting into subconscious work. But then you also have love quotient, which is now this also ability to connect on an even deeper level and now have empathy as the connecting force between two people. And the reason this is such a important thing to bring into leadership is a very few people very few leaders have this empathetic and quote-unquote love-based connection with the people they lead subordinates for lack of better term but honestly that is the cementing factor because when you can bring in the love quotient into a dynamic with another person what you're actually doing is saying i see you in a way that I see myself, I see the connection, I see what unites us as humans on a deeper level. And as a result of that, I have an intrinsic care for you. Mm -hmm. That is just energy that gets transferred where the other person immediately feels on a subconscious level that this person actually cares for me. And this is where the cerebral IQ based dynamic just cannot get to, right? Because it's cerebral, but the love quotient fundamentally important because that communicates, I care. And as a result of knowing that a leader cares for them, people immediately have a lot more staying power and are willing to go to lengths to deliver on a mission to move the whole team forward, right? Funny enough, we've gotten into this. This is the fundamental thing that I saw very good leaders do. And every single time I got disconnected from a leader was when I felt intrinsically, like this person understood me, but they didn't care and mm -hmm. actually care about me on the same or similar level like they cared about themselves. And that's very important, on a same or similar level like they care about themselves. You know, it's interesting because John Maxwell talks about this, that, you know, people who you have the privilege of leading and also leaders that I want to follow, right? There are three questions that they're really asking. Do you care for me? Can you yes. help me? And can I trust you? Yes, and if all of those are ticked off, I would move heaven and earth to help you achieve your goals. Yes. And yes. so you're absolutely spot on. It does take that soul work to get us to there. So I appreciate that. Now tell Pleasure. us how we can nourish our souls. So first off, you can find me on Instagram to answer the initial question, Adiyemi Adiyosoye. And I have this community called the Soul School, right? So anyone who's interested in diving deeper into alignment with their soul, to activate these things like the love quotient and things within them, that's the first place to go. And you can reach out to me and my team would reach out and respond. In terms of nourishing the soul, the first question I would always say is, are you connected to the soul in the first place? And are you hearing it? So for example, you're about to take a decision where you know someone is going to get hurt by that decision that you take, right? And when I say hurt, I mean, maybe in the corporate structure, someone's about to get fired or something is happening. In that moment, you would know at a soul level if you've done everything you can to help that person succeed or not. A lot of people quit on their staff and their people a little bit too early, right? And to tie this back into what I'm trying to say about the soul and how to nourish connection with the soul is really about listening and starting to fine tune your ability to listen to your intuition at a deeper level and act from a space of care. Because again, if we have the fundamental basis of creation and the whole world around us, if that is love and the quickest way to connect to your soul is through love, the expression of that is your intuition. 
right? The expression of that is that piece of you that feels empathy for someone or doesn't. So if you're cultivating empathy and starting to see your team members or whoever you're leading from the perspective where you care about them at a similar level or at the same level, probably even higher than yourself, all of a sudden you're starting to even tap into your soul. And now all you really have to do is start listening to the nudges of your body. This is not so much a nourish, it is more a build a connection and a relationship with. Because you cannot nourish what you might not have a connection with. So before we get to nourish, the question to your listeners today is, what is your connection to your soul like? And can you actually hear the nudges and the messages from your soul to you in every decision you're making? That is absolutely a great start to listen. And it's all connected, Ariyemi, because I started the podcast because I needed to learn to listen more. And so this is still my journey. So I, I, it is absolutely all connected to leadership. Good leadership is deep listening. Good mm -hmm. leadership is empathy. Good leadership is adding value to those around you. So I need to add a final thing there on that. This is a very important word for me when it comes to leadership and connection to the soul. And I actually think this is the bridge. It's authenticity. Mm. Are you being deeply authentic with yourself, with where you are, with the people you're dealing with and just everything that's going on for you. Because when you're out of authenticity, that's where the cerebral mind comes in, right? And that's where the IQ and the brain-based approach comes in. When you're in authenticity and you can meet people with a really deep level of authenticity, of emotions, of feelings, of thoughts, of paths, of what's best for them authentically, that's where you have people who just go to bat for you because now you're giving them something true. And I think the reason this is also very important and it's a hack for anyone listening to this, is there are very few authentic people left, right? And left might be a strong word, but sometimes you go around the world and everything is so logic-based and so driven to optimization where you don't have as much authenticity out there. And when you can meet your people with authenticity, they feel that. It's unmistakable. It's a comfort that people feel. So that's the bridge. Because by being authentic with yourself, you're in authenticity with your soul and what's going on for you. And by expressing and living and leading from that perspective and from that vantage point, you now get to transmute that authentic expression of you from the connection with your soul into your leadership practices. And everybody feels that because now that is true. The strongest frequency and the strongest energy in the world is truth. First of all, it's life. Underneath that is truth. And if you're in alignment with your truth, you're in alignment with your soul and people start to feel that, whether it's positive or negative, it's true. So we're either going to go down the rabbit hole or upper spiral here. Because, <laughs> um, when you said authenticity, the thing that comes up for me that blocks people from doing that, from being authentic is fear. So before we can be authentic, right, we have to break that at least through some of those barriers. So give us some insights. We want to be authentic, but we're fearful. So what mm. are the first steps we can take? You know, it's interesting. We hosted a workshop with someone called the fear guy, right? He's a fear alchemist that helps people break through fear. Super mm. fascinating. And it's very poignant that this is coming up now, because one of the things that I even learned in that situation is that if you ever notice Let's just use a slightly different example that's not leadership-based, right? A man wants to speak to a woman, and he feels a connection to speak to the woman, but he has fear, right? Fear of rejection, 
fear of moving forward, whatever is there. And as a result of that, he doesn't speak to her. Because he acted out of fear, he created the very situation he was scared of. And this is a very interesting thing where the intention you act from is what manifests and shows up in your reality. So this fear, if you're acting out of fear, you're going to create that situation. That's usually what happens. If you're acting out of fear of authenticity, what do you do? You create more reasons to be inauthentic because now you're expressing from a space of inauthenticity. I think it's very important to identify what our values are. And this is why I love values, because with very strong values, you get to overcome anything that comes in front of you, right? So if your value is to be in your truth, is to express your unique full self without holding back, regardless of what happens. And if you can build on that value over time by taking micro actions where you get to reinforce that value, as that fear shows up, you would find yourself stepping into your truth and saying, hey, this is a value of mine. And even though there's a situation to be scared of, because I have this value, you would have programmed yourself to have the strength and the wherewithal to overcome that fear barrier. And in the example of a man speaking to a woman, if he's someone who was built up over time, micro moments where he goes for what he wants, all of a sudden he can see this person and go, because I want to express myself and go for this person more than the rejection, I can see the rejection. I am now choosing, second word, choosing. You have to choose to act in spite of the fear. Mm. And this is an interesting thing where when fear comes into our body, right, what happens? The body locks up, a whole lot of autonomical processes start, emotions and hormones start firing across the body, and you start to act on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Your goal there is to take a few deep breaths and really catch yourself immediately and go, what am I choosing right now? inauthenticity or authenticity? What have I committed myself to choosing? Inauthenticity or authenticity? And the final question in this moment, what do I now decide to lead my life with? Inauthenticity or authenticity? If you do a series of questions like that and you slow down that autonomic response, you would go from being in your limbic brain, your animalistic brain, back into your executive function brain and realize that the choice you actually want to make is an authenticity. So slow down, mm. understand the value here, and make sure you're making that choice. And if you can't make the choice immediately, a series of two to three questions before you get to that final question of what you want to decide in the moment would calibrate you, and you'll feel this in your body on the next best path to take. Take that path. I was just doing a training on Stephen Covey's seven habits yeah. of people and the proactive, reactive comes into play in that model. Yes, yes. Take a breath, take a breath before you make a choice. And we have that freedom to make a choice and that's a gift. So thank you, Arayami. Thank you so much. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? I'm learning about my own limitations as a leader. And I'm learning to figure out where I need to remove myself from the wheel and where I need to remove myself from to allow other people who are better than me lead. Right. And really understanding because, you know, sometimes leadership, there's a lot of ego involved. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have this situation, for example, in my business where I come from a sales background and I understand sales and I've been working on a lot of sales for my business and company, but it's getting to a point where I'm actually the worst person to do sales in my business, just from the dynamics 
that it creates with a customer, the dynamics that it puts into the sales process. I actually am a bottleneck for the business, right? If I continue to do sales, it's tough for me to pull myself out. But one thing I've come to realize is as you grow and you evolve, you need to really identify where you start to hamper your own progress and understand that there are people who are better than you at things that you're great at. And if you come in with this knowledge, you're able to pull yourself out into a better position to be in your zone of genius. So I'm really learning to identify my full zone of genius and be courageous enough to play solely in that region and find other better individuals to play in the regions they're better at. This is something that happens where you see crossover based on ego, right? I don't have that anymore, right? I've really removed and spent time learning about my own ego and understanding that what I want is flow. And the pie is here to be shared across other people and the pie being money control and so many things. And I'm really spending time identifying in myself where I'm at my best, what's my genius zone and removing myself and allowing myself to play in that. Even if that means giving up certain things that I love doing or used to love doing, it's important. Now, is that something that you arrived at on your own or through coaching, through your inner circle? And how important mm -hmm. is that for growth? I think it's fundamental for growth because we all have unique talents and unique abilities that we've come here in. And the connecting constant between our success and our abilities is our ability to identify what those unique gifts are and play solely in that, mm -hmm. right? And it's almost this thing of, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a ladder, you fundamentally judge the fish wrongly. So as a leader, you need to figure out, are you trying to climb a ladder or are you better off swimming? <laughs> so how did I arrive at this? It's just come from self-awareness. It's come from spending time going deeply into myself and honestly asking myself, where do I feel like I'm in my zone of flow? And where do I feel like I'm the happiest and I can give the most value? And when you identify that, it's important to play in that. And when you're in this process, at least what happened for me, my brain immediately goes, oh, let me keep control of everything, right? Let's get into this very animalistic way of thinking of I want full control of everything versus how can I bring play into my space? How can I create more space for me and be in my zone of genius and still achieve a lot? Right. So this were the things that I had really had to think about. And then I went back into the, even the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of your efforts drive 80% of your actions. Where in my life am I spending 80% of my time on things that are not in alignment with me? By just looking at these different concepts and being pretty self-aware, I've started to identify where I play in my genius. And I'm committed to living a life in my genius because that is the fun, best spot to be. It's best for yourself. Is best for your health because it's less stress, but it's also best for the people you lead because you're given the most value in the world. So it's not really a thing of how can I self-protect and even put myself in a better position? It's how can I give the most value? Nine times out of 10 is when you're playing in your core 20% that drives 80% of results. So clearly you've done a lot of work on yourself. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, and you make it sound so easy. And the truth is, sometimes we need help to arrive there. I know that I reached yes. out to you because I'm looking to grow in mm -hmm. my awareness um, and I need coaches. How important mm -hmm. is that to have people speak into your life or the right people speak into your life? Fundamental. I've had a lot of coaches. I've had a lot of mentors. I 
almost have mentors and coaches. It's almost like, I won't say like candy, but I really hand select the right people. And I'm always in some kind of learning engagement. Before we even get to the coaches or the mentorship, the first thing is truth and authenticity. It's coming back to that point of are we expressing from that zone? Because no coach would help you and no coach can really help you do the work and develop yourself unless you are true about where you are and how you're showing up. And even just being aware, authentically aware of where you are and what's going on. Are you in truth or out of your truth? That already is 50% of the work done. And now the coaches simply come to enhance that. So it's important 100%, but I do think awareness is probably the biggest thing to really know where you've gone off, to really know where you've been inauthentic, to really know where, you know, you weren't that so nice to whoever it is you're leading, to know where you acted out of spite and ego and in a vindictive manner against someone versus in truth, in empathy. That awareness alone shifts the whole game. Because the funny thing is, unless you're choosing to do this on purpose, if you're really choosing to be the best leader you can be, if you're aware of a slew of events where you act in a certain way, you're naturally going to be motivated to change that. And even if you don't get a coach, you will start trying different things to have a different result. Automatically, you're a better leader. Now, if you want to take that to the next level, you find a coach or a mentor, right? And this is where I work with people and things of the sort to now say, hey, how do we even deepen that connection to yourself and accelerate your learning? First though, it's truth, awareness of when you're in truth or not. And it's, this is a body feeling. I don't know how deep into somatics in the body your listeners might be, but this is all in the body. The body is a technology that can show you when you're in alignment or not, based on whether it's at ease or whether it feels tight. Because you could be in this most serious meeting in the world. And if you're in truth and in authenticity, your body is going to feel relaxed. Yeah. And this goes, this is the same thing for imposter syndrome or whatever. No matter the situation, when you're in alignment and in truth, there's a strength that comes over you and your body relaxes. When you're out of alignment and out of truth, tension starts to grow in some way. And yeah. that's what we need to be aware of. That is the pathway. I appreciate you speaking into that because as leaders, things happen and shift constantly, right? Yes. We, we need yes. to learn one to embrace that change. And one that's one of the things that I've learned also from you, embrace the change and crisis that happens. So with that, what are some practices that you have or quotes or, or whatever it is that you do to get yourself tuned into the day, right? You're facing the day, you know, I tend to reset. That's what I do in the morning. I have to think on my feet and I have to connect with people on a deep level. So there's a routine I have. Is there something you do? You so know? I meditate almost daily. Right, mm -hmm. sometimes multiple times a day. Meditation is fundamental to any practice I run. Cold showers in the morning, because that's super important to calm your body down because it releases dopamine early on. The real important thing though is breathing. Yeah. It's being aware of my breath throughout my day. And aware of when I'm in tension and breathing very quickly or when I'm slow. I used to have a lot of routines. I take care of my health. I'm always in the gym and always getting myself centered, right? To make sure my body's prepped to take the different decisions. But I find if I want to give something that's going to shift people in real time that they can start doing today is to be aware of the breath. When you walk home after a tired, long day and your partner does something to aggravate you a little bit before you get into the autonomic response. And again, you're leading all the time, right? You're not just leading at the office. You're leading when you're home. You're, le you're leading across the board. So when you walk into the door 
and you're about to go in and you have this tension that you're carrying through the house, ask yourself, where is your breath? Are you breathing fast and in tension? Is your stomach constricted? Or can you relax and take a deep breath in and out? And when you do that, you, what you're doing is you're calming your sympathetic nervous system and going into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is increasing your ability to connect into high levels of consciousness and also deepening your subconscious connection. In that moment, you now have the option to choose. What I'm saying here is not about the morning routine. Do everything you can to prep your body and to be aware. Meditation is super good for this. But in the moment, moment by moment across your day, Give yourself the option to choose by connecting into your breath and really feeling in, am I relaxed and am I in a zone where there's no tension through my body or am I in tension? And this is just this daily habitual practice of identifying where you are and giving yourself the choice. So the next time you walk into the house and you know something is about to brew, catch yourself beforehand. And before you walk through the door, make a choice. And by stringing along micro choices, you're going to become a better leader. You're going to become a better helper. You're going to become a better husband, a better wife. Everything is going to start switching for you because you're making micro choices moment by moment on how you're choosing to respond. And by the way, what does leadership mean? Leadership is responsibility. Let's break apart the word. Responsibility is your responsibility, your ability to respond. Want to be a better leader? We need to put in practices to increase your ability to respond to situations from your highest level of awareness. The way to do that is through breath and really understanding instead of reacting where you are and choosing to respond. Because again, responsibility is leadership and that's your response ability. This is gold because those micro choices, you create habits from that and that consistency matters where yes. you that's where I was going. And, you know, when I coach people, there are things I say, which I might not say, hey, go build a new habit. It's just focus on this, focus mm -hmm. on this little thing. And just micro shifts make massive differences. Absolutely. So, Ariyami, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What most concerns me is the commercial world's focus on abstraction value abstraction, abstraction of employees, abstraction of customers. It's all about the bottom line, right? A lot of the time. And this is a bit of a concern because, you know, you have things like they're talking about a recession. There's a lot of stress going on. Health is on decline. People's awareness is on decline. Mobile phones are competing for attention left and right. People barely have presence. And a lot of leaders are losing the ability to connect in and really identify what their North Star is and act from that point. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of noise at leaders today. And I would hope back into the point of awareness and authenticity that leaders can find ways to bring more empathy first for themselves and as a result, empathy for those they lead. But in a world that's noisy, that's driven by the bottom line, that's driven by aggressive capitalistic tendencies, it's very easy to forget empathy, right? And there are a lot of studies on this. When I'm hungry and I want to eat, I don't care so much about the next person eating. I want to take care of my family first. And this is a bit of a concern because the world, as all of these things get exacerbated, it's very easy for us to lose our very sense of humanity and realize that as people, we want the same things. I want my mother to be healthy. I want to eat 
and be healthy. I want to have great sex. I want to travel the world. I want to fly first class. I want to do the same things you want. I want to help individuals. I want to be generous. I want to love and I want to be loved. If we can find a way to constantly come back to that point that we want the same thing in this moment right now, and how can we give ourselves that and start by leading by giving first instead of asking to receive, I think we're going to make huge strides in the leaders across the world. And don't get me wrong, they are amazing, amazing leaders out there, right? And to everyone, I know there's a lot of people listening to this who are amazing leaders, shout out to you. But it's fundamentally important that I remind everybody that the goal is not to fall into the capitalistic tendencies and build a dog-eat-dog world with our actions, is to re-identify that we want the same things and how can we meet each other at that with love? You know, it reminds me of that quote, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? Exactly. If you as a leader are in a dog-eat-dog world as you listen to this and realizing this. The change really has to start with you. I love what you said. You said empathy for yourself and not many people think that way. Mm. Some people think it's selfish to think of ourselves first, but it's necessary because the way we treat ourselves is the way we're going to treat other people. I need to add something here. Is this thing of empathy for self is also realizing that you have the tendency of overaggression or being completely goal-oriented at the detriment of other individuals. That's also a space to feel empathy for yourself because there are several reasons based on family, based on your upbringing, that's causing you to have those tendencies. And it's not a bad thing. It just is. So even having empathy for yourself is super important. And back on this point of, you know, if someone notices themselves in these, acting from these different vantage points, sometimes it's all the person knows. It's how they were brought up. It's how they were trained in leadership. It's just all they know. It's super cutthroat. And what I'm here to say and what came up for me, it's it's okay to stop that. You don't have to change immediately and push for a whole revamp of your whole architecture, but you can actually decide that from today, I'm not going to be operating at that same level of capitalism or from the same energy. Yeah. From today, I'm going to stop and I'm going to start changing that. That decision is enough for the next six months and implement oh. that and go into something else. Absolutely. And it can shift a lot for a lot, not just you, not just you as a leader, but everybody else around you. All right. So we have a question from a former guest. And I love these. <laughs> so Peter Anderton wants to know, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made so far as a leader? And what did you learn from it? I hired too fast and I brought someone on board and I didn't do them the due diligence to properly vet whether or not they were a fit. And as a result of that, two, three months later, even though this person was super committed to me, and really wanted my success, she wasn't able to deliver at the level I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I had to let her go to a lot of disappointment and cause a lot of hurt for her as a result of that. And I remember sitting back and I really looked through the actions there and I realized I didn't have a proper vetting process. I didn't spend enough time identifying whether they were a right fit energetically conscious-wise, intellectually, emotionally, and where they could do the job. Since then, I've taken this principle from Gino Wickman, where he has the GWC principle, right? For anyone he hires, do they get it? Do they get the role? Do they want it? Do they deeply want it? And can they do it? Mm. And I think for me as a leader, when I'm hiring people, I have this tendency where I find someone who gets it. 
I find someone who wants it and I don't properly vet that they can do it because I hide them based on the emotional connection and the fact that I feel like this person emotionally connects to me. And this is a huge learning point for me. I'm still undergoing this where it's important to have better practices in place to properly make sure people can do it. Otherwise you get into a situation where you have members of staff in your team that can perform and it's not their fault. It's your fault because you hire them and you get into this really weird state where now you can't let this person go because you've invested. And then the sunken cost fallacy comes up, right? Huge, huge point for me that I just never want to bring in again and make sure I do people the honor of testing them and vetting them very closely to make sure they're fit and disappointing them early on. I think that's an honor if you need to disappoint someone early on. Very important because sometimes we have to make these decisions quickly um, Yes. or we feel that way. And it's important to slow down and really think through the process. Thank you. Now, as a listener okay. podcast, Adeyemi, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? What do you think the legacy of your current leadership style is bringing forward? And how would you change that? I really like this word of legacy where with the people we lead, one of my dreams, right, is when I die to have a lot of people that have led who are super happy of the transformation they had going through and working with me. And when I'm acting out of alignment and out of authenticity, right? That legacy is being challenged. So what legacy are we looking to leave? And what do we feel like the current leadership style is bringing forward? And what changes do we need to make? And that question of legacy, it's never too early to ask yourself what legacy you want to leave. Not at all, because time is subjective. Mm -hmm. And you're leaving a legacy regardless of anything. You don't get to choose whether or not you leave a legacy. You're always going to have a legacy, even if you're forgotten. You're always going to have a legacy. You don't get that choice, whether you leave one or not. It's just which one do you leave? That's the choice. Where do you operate from? Love that question. So tune in. We will be asking that question of future leaders. Now, is there anything else? Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Fundamentally is empathy. It's where can you find space within yourself to be authentic and empathetic to the people you're leading. And one of the things I'm really playing with now when I lead people through tough situations is looking at them from the perspective, again, of a soul-to-soul connection and saying, how can I help this person? What does this person need right now? Is that safety, reassurance, understanding, assistance, to be fired? What do they need, really? Not what do I need, what do they need? Because leadership is service. Yes. And it's important to spend time thinking about these individuals and say, how can I set you up for success? And if you can't set them up for success, the way you set them up for success is by parting ways. So well said, Ariyemi. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. My pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Liliana. And uh, thank you for all the great work that you do in the leadership world also. I'm looking forward to tuning in to the next answer to that question. Thank you. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.